in the service. And look, if you've never done Alpha, it really is a safe place to bring any question you have about your existence, your purpose, the spiritual side to life, any questions about Christianity. And it's not unlike any other Christian small group because really it's actually a place for people who are not sure about Jesus and they can come and ask their questions. Always begins with a meal, so you build some friendships and we start usually with dinner and then they watch um, a video which is some of the images you've seen there is actually a, a collection of the Alpha talks and they present some of these questions where after the talk you sit around and have an open judgment-free discussion so no question is off limits um, we don't have all the answers but we're going to sit around and have a discussion and try and find some of the answers to questions that anyone can have so anyone is welcome at Alpha it doesn't matter your age your Christian heritage or whether you're totally new to the faith anyone can come and do Alpha um, it's free to come along we ask people for a donation just to cover the cost for the food um, but it would be great to have you here. So that's on Wednesday, the 8th of March, we begin. There's a sign-up sheet that will be out in the foyer after the service, so love for you to actually sign up for that. I'm going to introduce to you John and Linda. John and Linda, come up. They're our Alpha leaders. Give them a big hand as they come now. Both John and Linda have amazing experience at, at actually running Alpha, so they've been doing it for quite a few years, not just, um, not just here recently. And... Uh, just keep coming. <laughs> we, we had a conversation before the service. I said, when you come up, yeah, make sure you stand right next to me, you see. I think that's why they were doing that. But, no, they've been running Alpha for... Oh, John, how long have you been running Alpha for overall, like in total? Uh, around about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Saved about nine years ago, so 10 years. Probably 11th year, this one. Wow. Now, I know that both of you actually did Alpha at some stage and it had a big impact. So, Linda, tell us about that. What happened to you on Alpha initially, the first time you did it? Well... My impact wasn't ex like um, John's um, impact, but what it did for me was um, knowing who our Lord Christ is. And um, I've never experienced what I've had when I was doing through Alpha because probably the upbringing of being the Catholic faith, being the, just, a, just doing the right thing, traditional things, but actually knowing who Jesus is in my life and, um, and he's the son of God. And it was just an amazing experience and... So I'm interested to know, what. tell me what happened. Like, what was the pivotal moment for you in terms of connecting to God? How would you describe it? That I'm his child and he loves me that much. I never knew how much God's love is for me and knowing that he's always with me, you know, not just here and there. So, you know, a part of Alpha, we spend some time talking about the Holy Spirit and, and again, we have conversations around that. And then we actually just ask the Holy Spirit to come. And it's amazing. Some people just feel that real sense of love. Some people feel a warmth or some people start to cry or, you know, it's just when they first really encounter God personally, a real tangible manifestation of the presence of the Lord. And that's why we run Alpha. Alpha is not, a, not sort of some strategy to convince people that Christianity is true. Alpha is the space where people can actually connect with them, themselves with God. And all we do is create that open, safe, judgment-free environment. Now, John, I know that, that you also, you know, you're, I mean, we, I, sort of, I have this sort of uh, friendly phrase, phrase about Alpha. I'm an Alphaholic. Um, and I know so is John. So, John, tell us about your first time at Alpha and what happened to you. 
Um, so my first time at Alpha, I was invited by my wife. So many might not know my wife was a Christian before I was actually saved. So 14 years, my wife was praying for me. So she invited me along to Alpha and I agreed. Um, and during that Alpha, I sort of, I learned a lot about, um, and biblical teachings we're talking, not, not things that you sort of hear along the way. So I learned about God's love for us, that he came and died for us. Um, and, and I had a, basically week six, we do a camp, we have a retreat, we go away from the church and we go and uh, we do two or three DVD sessions. And on that weekend, I actually encountered God in a big way. It actually changed my life. It changed, it changed my relationship with my kids, uh, with my wife. It was, it was a big transformation. It was such a big impact um, that I knew that God was in the room and he changed me. I just knew. Yeah, yeah. yeah give, give them a hand. Give them a hand. They are, they are, they're a, so dedicated, sacrificial in the way they serve the cause of spreading the message and the love and the hope that Jesus offers people because that's their experience. And so um, we really appreciate both of you, Linda and John, and what you're doing. They're going to be leading Alpha, so from March the 8th. It's going to be right here at 7.30. So why don't you give them a big hand? Thanks very much, guys. Now, I'm going to talk to you today three facts about your faith. And I'm going to encourage you to take some notes because... um, the Lord's really put on my heart. You know, I sat down to, to do um, my, my notes. I'm, a, I'm one of those uh, guys that when I have to come and speak somewhere, I can't just do it the day before. And so during the week, I had some ideas and I was praying and it just didn't come together. And then on, uh, I think it was uh, Wednesday or Thursday, I really felt God show me these three things about faith. Because here's one of the things that we all experience when you think about your friends, your family and your neighbours coming to know Christ like you do, the only way they're going to get there is if you invite them to at least explore who Jesus is. So when, when John just said to us that Linda invited him to Alpha, um, someone's got to invite, invite you know, your, your colleagues, your work neighbours, your family members... the people that you love and you feel sometimes a prompting to invite them. But, you know, it takes faith to invite someone, doesn't it? Um, Sometimes when you think about invitation to either church, a small group or men's golf, alpha, a women's event, it doesn't really matter what we're inviting people to. Because we've invited someone and they didn't say yes to the invitation, we think it, it doesn't work for us. You might think, well, it might work for Greg when he invites somebody, but it's not, it's not working for me. I, I don't think I'll do it again. And I think what happens is our faith gets matted. It gets into this entangled mess in our head. And there's three factors about faith that we must understand, particularly in terms of our maturity and our discipleship, our obedience at following Jesus Every single day, not just what we do here on a Sunday morning in a corporate sense, but when God prompts you to pray for somebody, to give someone a word, or to connect with someone, or to invite them to something, our obedience is actually our test of faith. And so I'm going to show, I want to show you a couple of things about faith. And you may not be fully aware of this, but we've sort of chosen a theme around faith for the year. And uh, Pastor Nick, um, who's actually he's ministering in Canberra this weekend, um, he felt late last year that, that God really laid on his heart around 
us as a church will be stretched this year and our faith will come to grow and mature. And so it's interesting that I felt God speak to me about talking about some just three things about faith. Now, there's lots of things about faith. But notice the phrase I've got there. It's, I'm talking about your faith, not just my faith, but your personal faith in God. So I wonder what, where you think it is right now today. How deep, how strong is your faith? Or how fragile or mangled and matted has become your faith because of frustrations, disappointments, um, mistreatments by other people, or you felt God asked you to do something and it didn't work out, and so you're not really sure if it was God. You know, we, we have all this sort of stuff that happens in our lives, and it can easily erode our faith in God. And if that happens, that's going to affect you, the way you walk with God daily and the way you speak to him and the way that you respond to him when he, when he actually speaks to you or prompts you. So we've got a theme. You're going to hear a lot about faith during the year. We believe that as a church we're going to be enlarged and that, that is only going to happen numerically, physically, if we as a body of believers, as God's children in this area actually enlarge our faith at the same time. It's not going to happen any other way. And so I really want to bring some key things. And right as we close um, the service in, in probably about 20 minutes' time, I, I, I really am going to ask you to think about who can you invite to Alpha. And I'm going to say, let's put your faith where your fear is and invite them this week. So that's where we're going to go. So here's number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Next, yeah, great, thanks very much. Your faith is in God, not in an outcome. Now think of this for a minute. I invited my neighbour, we have a neighbour, and uh, regularly I go and invite them to come to church, to Alpha, uh, the movie night that we had recently here in church. Um, I, I mean, regularly I'm inviting them. And I commonly get these sort of responses. Oh, I'm not a churchy person, Greg. You know, you wouldn't want me at your church. I don't really believe in that stuff, but they believe in some other sort of spiritual stuff. But you know what? God prompts me to invite them. Now, here's what I've realised with myself, and this is probably true for you. When God prompts you to invite somebody or to share your faith with someone and they don't positively respond to your words or your invitation, you think you've got it wrong. But here's the issue, and this is what it says in Peter. Peter actually writes this to a group of believers who are suffering real persecution. So not just you know, being laughed at because you're a Christian. I'm talking about being you know, persecuted physically for your faith. And he actually says to them a couple of things. He says, through him, that's Jesus, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now listen to me, your faith and hope are not in a positive result every time God asks you to do something. Yeah, you know, think about this. How many Bible stories are there where God asked someone to do something and it got them into more trouble? Hello? I mean, poor Jonah. In fact, it's interesting you read Jonah's story. He knew that the Ninevites would repent. And he got so mad with God... That, he, that God, number one, sent him. Well, first he tried to avoid it, right? We avoid it, don't we? We might not jump on a ship, but we don't do what God prompts us to do. So sometimes we, we, we think 
because that person has rejected the words that I've spoken to them when I felt God asked me to do that, either there's something wrong with my faith, there's something wrong with the words I said, or there's something wrong with, you know, the ability for me to actually do it. And, you know, often you'll hear stories on a, on a public platform in a Christian gathering of miraculous stories of invitation of people who say yes, and, you know, they get totally transformed and everyone applauds. Now, if you're anything like me, you sit there and you think, wow, that's amazing. But the last time I invited somebody, they used the F word. <laughs> right? Is that not right? Now, but that's, you know what we're doing without realising it? We're putting our faith in a positive result. In our head, we think, oh, if God asked me to do it, it's going to work out fine. Now, here's, here's a pondery question for you. If we believe that God knows everything, do we, we, I think, I'm, assuming, I'm going to take it as an assumption, we believe that God knows everything. So here's a question. Why on earth would God prompt me to invite my neighbour to come to Alpha when he already knows they're going to say no? You ever thought about that? Why would God prompt you to invite someone to church when he already knows their response is going to be negative to the invitation. What do you think is going on? Well, because it's not just about them. It's about you as well. So, if I don't invite my neighbour when I know that God is asking me to do it, my faith is not in God. It's in an expected positive outcome. And that is a Western way of thinking. And what is God is looking for is my obedience to his words in my life. So it's got nothing to do with your ability or skill to get a positive response every time you share your faith or invite them to something. In fact, I, I believe it has very little to do with you. It's between them and God. But what I have to do and what we have to do, what you have to do, is when God prompts you, don't think to yourself, well, I'll only do if it works. What sort of faith is that? Is your faith in God, a God who knows what he's doing, a God who loves you, a God who loves them, a God who is stronger than any, anyone else, either that we can see or is unseen? I mean, is our faith in that sort of a God or is it our faith just in getting the positive result so we look like we knew what we were doing and we got it right? See, I think a lot of Christians including myself at times, our faith is no longer in God but in what we think should happen. And we don't understand there's a tapestry or a context to what God is doing in the person's life that I'm inviting, so my neighbour, but also in my life God is discipling me. He is growing my faith. Can you imagine if as Christians every time we felt God asked us to do something in faith for him, it would work guaranteed? We don't, we don't, you know, in, I, re, I was reading one, one theologian said failure is God's way of reminding us that he's God. So God is just as interested in your growth, development and maturity as is in my neighbour who at the moment has continually said no. But I'm still going to keep inviting when I feel God prompt me to do it because that's about me and him. Now, Jesus, people said no to Jesus. So if Jesus got no's, you're in pretty good company. Hello? 
Don't you ever think that? Jesus didn't have a 100% success rate at inviting people into the kingdom. Where on earth do we think we should have a 100% success rate or only do it if it's going to work? That's a Western philosophy that erodes your faith and matters your faith to almost a lifeless corpse. That's what your faith becomes. So forget the positive result or the outcome. If you feel God prompts you to do anything, it doesn't really matter what it is, you should do it because he's asked you to do it and he's taking you on a journey that's not just about the other person that might be involved in what he's asked you to do. That journey has to do with you and him and you never know where he's trying to take you or in an area he's trying to grow you in. And that's why our faith matters. Our faith in God matters. And as Christians, we should be developing, stretching, maturing our faith, not just sort of you know, humming along and doing things when we feel up to it or we feel like it, regardless of what God says to us, because then our faith is not in God. Our faith is in a positive outcome. So what we focus on could actually determine our response to what God prompts us or asks us to do. And so be careful what you focus on. I, I think uh, you know, we, we have got to be very, very careful. Number two. Here's number two. I'm going I'm to move through these pretty quickly. We don't like this one. You know, if, if I was allowed, I'd probably cut this one out of the Bible. Your faith's going to be tested. It's guaranteed. In fact, not just once, but over and over and over again. Because here's the issue. When things are going really well for you personally, so this is, this is sort of my life, when things are going really well for me, it's almost like I don't really need that much faith. So we talk, we know in Christian terminology we talk about faith, we use the word a lot, and we have ideas about faith, but when, for example, you know, I'm in trouble or I'm suffering or I'm physically sick and I'm asking God to heal me or I need God's help with something and I don't seem to get a response... Well, that's the test of faith. Do I continue to trust a loving God who created me and redeemed me regardless of where I sit? Because what happens is your faith gets shipwrecked if you abandon the test that God puts you on. And the way that, that Peter explains it here, so again, we're still in the same book, First Peter, the church is under persecution that he's writing to, but he talks about your faith has to be proven genuine. So think of the flip side of that idea. So if faith has to be proven as genuine, then there's a lot of non-genuine faith people in congregations. Now again, same for Jesus. So Jesus got you know crowds following him. So one day he turns to them and he says, well, you know, a king doesn't go to war against another kingdom unless he counts the cost. Tells them a second story straight up. He says, and a person doesn't build a tower, you know, to store his grain before he counts the cost. And it's interesting, the gospel writers say, and from that time on, some people didn't follow him. So just because we think we're following Jesus, do we understand that our faith has to be proven as genuine? There's a cost to follow Jesus. And the test of faith is actually what fortifies you to be strong in the hardship times. And I'm sure if I pass this microphone around... We'd all know friends, colleagues that have been in the church or have been following Jesus and something's happened, 
they didn't stand the test of faith, they checked out. Now, this, these themes are right throughout Scripture. So, you know, very early on in Jesus' ministry, he's, he's you know, right in the first year, probably the first few months of him actually gathering his disciples and starting to heal and preach about the good news. He tells the crowd this parable. In fact, it's the first parable that's recorded in Mark's Gospel. He says, A farmer goes out to sow seed. Some, fill, some of it falls on the path and the birds come and eat it. He says, Some seed falls on the rocky ground and it, it dies out when the sun comes up. And some is in the thorns and it gets choked. But some seed falls on good soil and it grows and produces fruit, and he uses three, three different numbers, 30, 60, 100-fold. Now, in that, even the disciples didn't understand what that parable meant. So actually, after they'd left the crowd, they actually asked him. They say, well, Jesus, what, what did that parable mean? And so he told them. Now, listen to this very carefully. You probably, if you've been in church life, you've heard sermons on this concept of that parable but he says, well, the path is when you know, the birds that come down and pinch the seed, that's Satan coming along and taking what is sown in some people. And then he says the rocky ground is, now listen to these words, trouble, persecution comes, they leave. Now, you know people like that. You've been through your own troubles, but you're still here. So this is all about genuine faith. Then he says, well, the thorns, now listen to this one, I think this is pretty relevant to our Western, modern, self-actualization, you know, make self-improvement culture. He says, well, the thorns are when the worries of life come, when the deceitfulness of wealth comes, when the desire for other things come, it chokes your faith. This is a common theme. What I'm teaching here is not new when you read Jesus' teaching, even Old Testament stories, faith is always tested because it has to be proven as genuine. And how do you know if something's genuine? In, in a biblical imagery, you only know something by the fruit that it produces. So in very, in very simplistic human terms, you know an apple tree is an apple tree because it produces apples. So you only know if you and I have real faith, genuine faith, when we are producing faith in the midst of hardship, difficulty. When we're faithful to what God asks us to do, regardless of the outcome. I mean, the story of Joseph. We talk about a man of faith. How many times do you think he asked God to deliver him from the prison and being accused of um, sexual assault and, you know, sold into slavery? I mean, we have this, we sort of sanitise Bible stories, but it's the testing of our faith that matures us. And none of us are exempt from this journey of discipleship. Not one. Jesus himself wasn't exempted from it. He had to do what his father told him. Now, we're exactly the same. So, so I, I think part of the problem is if we try to avoid a test that we find ourselves in, that God's put us there, that is where we stunt our immature faith. And I think sometimes God just brings us back. You're going to go back through it then. And so we, we don't cooperate. We, we remain stunted. And, you, you know, we wonder why our faith is not working for us. Faith is not a, a concept or a thought. It's not some sort of abstract, ab, abstract truth 
that we all mentally agree on, it's actually something we live out. It's something we're supposed to do. And so we don't avoid the tests. If God prompts you to invite someone this week to Alpha or to church, don't avoid it. Because it's the testing of your faith that proves you as genuine. You glad you came to church this morning? Your faith is your future. So if you don't practice your faith, you have a very limited future. Your faith is going to take you into your future. And the reason why some of you, God has spoken to you about certain things in your life and the reason why they haven't come about is not God's unfaithfulness, but you've not put your faith into practice. And you wonder why that future thing has not happened. It's because your faith takes you into the future. And if you don't feel you're into the future that God has already spoken to you about, then I would suggest you need to look at your own faith. So the children of Israel leave Egypt. They're standing on on the shore of the Dead Sea or the Red Sea. They've got the army behind them. And I love the way God speaks to Moses. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But he had to put his faith into practice at that moment because, the, now listen to this, his future and their future depended on it. And this is something God showed me during the week as I was praying and meditating about these three concepts. Your faith is not just about your future, it includes other people's future. The future of those you love, the future of those you work with, we forget that. We, you know, when we're under pressure or we feel like, um, I, can't, you know, I can't ask that person to come to Alpha. Oh, I could never ask them about you know, coming to church. Or that, that person over there, if they knew I was a Christian, you know, I've heard them talk about what they think about you know, church or Christianity and I could never do that. If you start thinking about that, you're making a decision about their future on their behalf because you have no idea what God's doing. You can't see it. And you cannot tell from the outward appearance on whether a person will accept that invitation. I mean, one of the great ironies, you know, I've worked in a lot of different mission organisations. I've done street work on St Kilda for years, working with um, the street girls, the drug addicts, the pushers. I ran a rehab, drug rehab. You cannot tell who's going to come to faith from their outward appearance or what they say. You cannot tell. Some of the people that go, oh, yes, yes, we need, we need Jesus, you know, they never stay. And other people that, you know, they curse all the time, they're aggressive, then, you know, they keep telling you, get lost, I'm not interested. All of a sudden, bang, they're in. And they're fully in. They don't predict. You can't tell what the Holy Spirit's doing in somebody. And if you can't take rejection and a no for someone on behalf of Jesus, you're forgetting he did that for you. Sorry about that. But your faith is your future. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, God, why isn't this happening? Well, what are you doing when he gives you the opportunity to practice your faith in the midst of trouble or even if it doesn't work? So your faith is going to take you into, the, into your future, but also it's dependent on you leading some other people into their future as well. God's going to use you to do that. Is it going to be easier at times? No. Does it feel natural? No. Is it risky? Absolutely. In fact, a great preacher, A.W. Tozer, 
He actually says, faith leads to failure, but bring it on. Because in the end, we know who Jesus is. See, faith in God. That's, that's principle number one. That's fact number one. He had faith in God. I'll, I'll take a hit for, for Jesus because he took him for me. My self-image in front of colleagues, family members, if that is my God, I won't take the risk because that's where my faith is. My faith is in their opinion about me. But their future could depend on my exercising true faith, real faith. And that's the issue. So failures are actually not really failures. They're your judgment on what you think should have happened. But you have no idea what God's doing. He often doesn't tell us the long-term journey or the long-term plan. as probably just as well because we wouldn't go there. Just one step at a time. So your faith is in God, not, a, not an outcome. Your faith is tested. It has to be proven as genuine. And here's number three. Your faith has to be lived out by action. We could sit and talk about faith in a small group. We could all agree on all the scriptures about, you know, we live by faith, we walk by faith, you know, we sing those sort of songs, we, 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 we do that. And then, blind, you know, crying out loud, Monday morning, God promised me to invite my work colleague to come to Alpha. I'm not doing that. What happened to I live by faith, I walk by faith? I have no faith on Monday morning. So faith is not an abstract concept about in Christianity. It's supposed to be seen by everybody else around us. So if, if people say that's a person of faith, why do they say that? Not because of how many scriptures they can quote or because of how spiritual their prayers sound, but because they can see that person take the risk. That's the fruit. They see that person do things for God that they, they naturally think to themselves, I could never do that. That's really the only difference. We all have the same Holy Spirit in us. So if you see some other Christian doing something, you can actually do that. Now, we don't try and make things happen that aren't led by God or prompted by God. But when God's clearly asking you to do something that puts you at risk... That's the testing of your faith, the proving on your faith. That's whether your faith is in God or the outcome. And it's lived out. Faith has to be lived out. It's shown. I, I think, to me, faith is like a river. It starts up in my head. It's a thought. So, you know, my initial faith in God was a thought. But then it has to flow into my heart that I actually feel the hope and the challenge of what real faith can do, not just for myself but for those that I meet or around me, but then faith has got to flow even further into my everyday behaviour and lifestyle. Or else, as James says, it's a corpse. I mean, that's what he's saying. Now, you know, James is dealing with a theological problem where there was a group of Christians that he's writing to that thought, you know, if we do the right thing, if we, you know, be nice to everyone, we give our tithes, if we're religious then God will save us. And then there was this other group, so that's really by works, by trying to do good things, you get yourself God's attention and you end up in heaven. And then there's this other group saying, no, we, we don't, it's, not, it's not works, it's faith. And it's interesting, James actually unpacks the idea of saying, hang on boys, this is the same coin but two different sides. 
So it's definitely faith. We're saved by faith. But then if you're living by faith, you outwork it. And he says, faith without works or without you living it is dead. It's a rotting corpse. has no life in it. Your faith can have no life because you haven't actually put it into practice when you felt the pressure. It's useless because you don't do it. Faith's like a muscle. You've got to keep using it to keep it strong. And the only way you build muscle is resistance. Oh, how we resist God. Well, that's another talk, right? You know, we, all, we, think, we think we follow God. Faith is a verb. You've got to do it. Don't just think it. Don't just talk about it in, in connect group. You've got to then go out and actually do the thing. And that's where the risk is. But that is real faith. Faith that starts up here, flows into here, but then either comes out of your mouth or comes out of your service. You put your faith into action and you live it out every single day. Your faith is supposed to be seen by others. Even in the Old Testament, the old prophet just before, you know, about 400 years before um, Jesus came in Habakkuk, he says the righteous will live by faith. Live it. And we know all the other scriptures, I've mentioned some of it. It's interesting, you know, when the, Jesus is in the boat with the disciples and the storm comes, he's having a snooze and they're bailing water and panicking for their lives. And so in the end they've had enough of their fear and they shake him, they wake him up. Don't you care if we drown, Jesus? And what's the thing he says to them? Do you boys still have no faith? I wonder if that's what Jesus would say to us. If he was physically here, what would he say about our faith? What do we say about your faith, my faith? So faith's not a concept. It's lived. It's fruit. It's seen. What, what marvels me, I'm going to finish on this, if I can have the, the, the musos to come back, thanks. What marvels me is in the Gospels, in fact, I, I encourage you, why don't you just read the first five chapters of Mark's Gospel this week? Because Mark's very good at showing this principle. Jesus responds to faith. So the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years breaks all the rules within her culture by being out in public. She has to push through a crowd to get to Jesus, so she's touching other people, which was not allowed. And what happens is when she touches Jesus, he feels the power go out of him and she's healed and he stops and he says to his disciples, who touched me? And this is, again, comedy gold. The disciples in their you know, intelligence say... What do you mean who touched you? There's like 600 people trying to push, you know, get to you. And he says, no, no, someone's really touched me. And it says, in fear and trembling, she tells Jesus the whole story. Now listen to his response. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Did Jesus respond to faith? He responds to faith. Does that mean it's going to work out the way you think it is? Not necessarily. But Jesus always responds to faith. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the, the hosts have got um, a little Alpha invitation card. And really this, is, this goes beyond Alpha really. This Alpha is just um, something that we're doing. We're going to do this probably twice a year run Alpha because we, we really want to reach our community and you're part of that to go and invite your friends. So whether it's Alpha or the men's breakfast. So yeah, just, just begin to hand them out. Thanks guys. You're going to get one of these little Alpha invitation cards. It's got all the details on the back of when it starts. Um, 
and you can describe what's included when you do an invitation. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you, is there someone that you think you should invite? We're going to actually stop in a minute and pray and say, I'm going to pray on all of our behalf, God, is there someone you're prompting me or asking me to invite this week? Now, if you get a name, you might actually hear their name in your head. You might see their picture in your mind. You might get more than one. But if you hear a name or you know that God's speaking to you as we pray, I want you to take out a pen or a pencil and write that name on the sticky note. There's a sticky note on that invitation. If you don't get a name, just put a question mark. And here's for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm not trying to force you to do something that God's not doing. So if God hasn't told you to go and invite someone, I'm not going to force you to go and try and do it. Now, some people invite everybody to everything, right? They're serial inviters. They're like serial killers. You can't really stop them. But most of us aren't wired that way, right? So for me, this is about, well, God, is there someone you really are asking me to invite? And I have to put my faith where my fear is and actually go and do it this week. But if you don't get a name, just put a question mark on that sticky note. Because here's one thing I know about God from my own personal experience. Sometimes He doesn't tell me straight up. But you know, on Tuesday, when I actually bump into somebody, He'll say to me right there and then, why don't you invite them? So you may not get a name right now, but I I could almost guarantee, uh, because we're going to pray, God's going to give you a name at some point during the week. So just take that that invitation, pass it along the rows, grab a pen or a pencil. If if you don't have one, the host also can give you a pen or a pencil. Because for me, this is a holy moment. Your faith is going to impact the future of somebody else. Now, we heard that that's what Linda did for John. That's what someone did for me. And I imagine for most of us sitting here today, it's because someone initially invited you. And we forget that. Invitation's a beautiful gift. What what someone does with that gift, whether they accept it or they say no at the time, well, that's totally up up to them. But you're giving someone the opportunity to come to know personally the Jesus that you and I know. That's a beautiful gift. And what they do with it, well, that's up to them. Don't take responsibility. You don't have to get them to say yes. But what you have to do is God prompts you is to actually just invite them. So let's pray, shall we? I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about the things I've said. Your faith is in God, not an outcome. Your faith will be tested. It's got to be proven genuine. And faith is lived. It's it's action. So, Father, we know we're weak vessels. We make mistakes. Our hearts are often honest before you when when we make a commitment to do something, but sometimes fear past experiences creep in and they they erode our faith. So right now, Lord, we don't want to just come and do church. We want to encounter you and we want to ask you, is there someone 
that you want us to invite this week. Father, I pray this prayer on behalf of everybody who's here right now. Lord, if you're ministering, if your spirit is working on someone's life that they're connected to and you want them to ask, to invite them to come, just reveal it now by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Now, if if you're getting a name, I want you to write it down. In fact, I'm, I'm getting a name. Can I have a pen? So just write that name down. If you've got a name just then, just write it down. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to stand up. If you've got a name, why don't you stand up? Now, I know there's a stack of you. Don't be shy. Stand up. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring your sticky note with you, and we're going to pin it on the cross here. So bring it with you. Come with me. Do it together. Now, if you're still getting a name, just come and put it on here. There's a couple more people. You've got a name. Just come and bring it out. And just, just why, why a few more people are coming? See, this is faith in action. We, see, we sit here on a Sunday and we think, is God really going to ask me to do something? Is God really growing and developing me? Why am I coming to church? But you realise that God is on mission all around you all the time. He's actually working on your friends, your neighbours, your work colleagues, your family members. And even though they may appear to be argumentative, indifferent or even abusive about the whole thing, you can't tell what the Spirit's doing. And when, when we do this, this is visual to see just how much God's involved in the people that we know. Just the people we know. And how our faith plays a part in helping those people at least have the opportunity to say yes or no to God. So this is about you doing faith. So the reason I gave you this is to invite someone. So if you, if you came up and pinned a name on there, I want you to invite them this week. Now, let me just say this. Your words aren't going to matter. You know, some, you know, if you're like me, you play it out in my head, what am I going to say, what am I going to say? I'll say this, I'll say that, you know, yeah. When will I do it? Oh, before school, at the school gate, at the shops, you know, when I see them. And then, of course, all of a sudden, you're in front of them and you, and you think, oh, I've got to do it. And then you, everything you played out in your head in practice never comes out of your mouth. And they say, you want me to come to what? You know, it doesn't go well. And so you think, oh, well, I'll stuff that up. That's not true. You know why? Because that's their response to God, not to you. It doesn't matter about your words or whether you did it at the right time, the wrong time. And here's the thing I've learned. Every invitation I give, like to my neighbour, moves them a little bit closer to a yes. Because I know I'm, my face in God, not in their response. I'm just going to keep doing it. So 
just be yourself. You know, don't Bible bash them or preach at them. Just say, look, we're running this thing called Alpha. There's meal. We talk about the spiritual side to life. You can ask your own questions. Nothing's off limits. Just come to the first night. I'll come pick you up. It's free to come along. That's all you've got to do. Now, what I'm going to do right now, we're going to pray over those names, those, those names. Why don't you stand? Everyone stand with me. We're going to pray over everyone who's going to do an invitation and these names that are up here. Father God, we present these people to you. Father, your spirit's already at work in their lives. And Father, we bring ourselves as a submissive, humble sacrifice to do your will, to put our faith into practice. So Lord, for everyone who received a name to invite, I pray over our congregation that they would actually follow through and put their faith into practice and trust you, nothing else, no circumstance, no thought, no doubt, just you. And for these names that are here, these people that are written down, we bring them before you that your spirit will pierce past their ideologies, their, their past experiences, their concepts. And Father, we pray that your presence would fall upon them as we share your love with them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Well, your faith is always in God, not an outcome. Your faith will be tested. It's got to be genuine. And your faith has to be lived out. There are three mottos we should live by. Now, if you don't know what it's like to have a relationship with the God that we're talking about and Jesus that we've been sharing about, we would love to chat with you after the service. So in actual fact, there's a Connect Lounge just at the back of our auditorium. We'll go to, we're going to be there in a few hosts. We'll answer any questions you have about the Bible, about what it means to follow Jesus as a Christian. We're going to close the service right now. But I really thank you for coming out and do your invitation. If you didn't get a name, I can almost guarantee you'll get one. You've got a whole seven days yet, so God's not, you know, He's not in a hurry. You excited about that? Some of you look a bit scared. All right, we're going to finish right there. I don't want to go over time. God bless you. Have a great week. Hang around for tea and coffee. Bless you.